0: Welcome to the American Physical Therapy Association Pediatric Student and New Professional Podcast. My name is Emily Quinn, and I'm practicing pediatric physical therapist here in Colorado. Today, we're going to be talking about out of home care and how we can better serve this population. This will be part one of a two part episode podcast that will be released and. In this first episode, we have the privilege of hearing and learning from caregivers who support this population. Um, I have two foster care parents on this call and one kinship care provider as well. So you might be asking, well, what is out of home care? Essentially is another way um, to say children in the foster care system, except for it's more inclusive since it also includes children in kinship care and hidden foster care as well. So essentially what it is, is it's 24-hour care provided by either the child welfare system or other caregivers for children who need to move out of their homes temporarily. And it can really include emergency placement, foster family homes, a group home, kinship care placement, or a therapeutic foster home. So as I mentioned earlier, we have the privilege of hearing from some people who actually provide for these children on a daily basis. And so I'm gonna start with some introductions to them. We have Rebecca, Cedric, and Allie. So we're gonna hear from them about kind of how they got into this care and um, how many children they have cared for in this realm so far. So we'll start with Rebecca. Hey, I'm
1: Rebecca. Um, I'm a foster parent, Uh, have been for about five years now, have had about eight kids total ranging anywhere from three days old to five years old. Um, and currently I have a three and a half year old adopted daughter who was the three day old that I got. Um, and then I have a now three, almost three month old, um, foster son. Um, and that is kind of our newest placement we took a break after the adoption of our daughter took about a year break and so this new little guy that we just welcomed into our home he was in the NICU for a while so he's been with us for about a month so getting adjusted to life with two kids.
0: Awesome thanks Rebecca. Cedric
2: you're up next. I'm relatively new Um, I'm a kinship guardian a former employee of mine and friend had um, needed some help with this so uh, we were able to take the, uh, the beautiful baby in and she's been wa- with us for about three months now, uh, this is my first time doing something like that and yeah it's been uh, very rewarding and very challenging at the same time. Um,
0: thanks Cedric All right, Ali last but not least.
3: Hi, I'm Allie. Um, I am currently just a biological parent to my daughter, who's a year and a half, and um, my husband and I have um, are currently getting our home relicensed. We moved, so we're in the process of becoming relicensed for foster care, um, which we are at the tail end of. But we have cared for two um, little boys, um, both little, both under two years old when they were with us. Um, my husband and I are both nurses. And so both of those kiddos are medically fragile kiddos um, that we care for. And that's kind of, since we have that um, gifting, I guess, those are the kind of kiddos that we uh, hope to bring into our home in the future.
0: Awesome. Thank you. I love that you all have different experiences. Um so, we have some questions to ask you. So, the first question, some of you touched on in your intros, but it is what motivated you to be a caregiver or how did you get involved with serving children in out of home care? Um, I'll go first. This is
1: Rebecca. I um, was a nurse at the Children's Hospital, um, pediatric nurse for kids with cancer for about 16 years, and um, maybe six or seven years ago, took care of a preteen girl who was in the foster system. And, um, I just literally knew nothing about foster care prior to that. And, um, she had just a really sad case and came from out of state and the family that she was with at the time, her foster family couldn't travel with her. So she was alone at the hospital going through this like horrific cancer treatment, literally by herself. And, um, There was a lot of details that just made it really heartbreaking where I didn't feel like she could get the help that she needed. And she was often stuck at the hospital when she would otherwise be well enough to go home. And they couldn't really find a family for her locally. It was just an awful situation and it ended horribly. It was really heartbreaking. And, um, I just knew nothing about it prior to that. And I remember just thinking the system has really failed her. Um, and I was single at the time and not ready to be a forever parent, but I thought this is something I feel like I could be good at. Like, I think I could help with this. Um, and so I just kind of got my feet wet doing foster care and not with any intention to adopt. And then, and then you, they entangle themselves in your heart and then things change and, um, their stories change, but, um, yeah, that was kind of initially what drew me into it.
3: This is Allie. My story is kind of similar. Um, I started as a nurse, eight years ago now and took care of a little boy for over two years who um, never once left the hospital during that time, also in foster care, also had no family. Um, And I was his primary nurse and uh, kind of for those two years, he could have left and couldn't because he didn't have a family. And so my husband and I talked about that being an option for us in the future. We were moving out of state at the time, so we weren't an option for him, um, but he had some severe medical needs and his care was very complicated. And so we felt like when we got to a place where we were, were settled enough to start the process of becoming foster parents that we would we would do that.
2: Yeah, so uh, I would say I kind of started this off by being uh, having a little bit of case of baby fever. <laughs> so uh, my employee, uh, she was working with me throughout the entirety of her pregnancy, and, you know, I've always really enjoyed helping out people, and, you know, I have a a very calm demeanor about me and, you know, just, just the willingness to help people, and I think uh, my former employee was able to see that, and then once, uh, you know, she left, you know, to, to give birth, you know, she called me several weeks later and asked if this would be something, a, a kinship guardianship would be something we'd be willing to undertake, myself and my girlfriend. And yeah, um, you know we we've, we've we've been wanting to have a baby girl. I have two sons that are much older; they're 14 and 15 now. I uh, always wanted a baby girl, and you know, um, yeah, it's just just been you know kind, kind of one thing after another. Um, and you do you do get kind of entangled with with the child, and you know you you want to help them and get them to the best of their abilities and everything. But you know, like I said before, there are challenges. And it's a situation where we definitely would love to keep her long term, but you know we have to let the process play out.
0: Awesome. Thank you all for sharing that. It sounds like you know you all kind of came into this um, from personal experiences that you've had with children, but also your own interest in your own care and natures that kind of drove you to this population. Um, so with that, what steps did you have to take to become a certified caregiver? And kind of what's the process look like? I feel like a lot of healthcare providers may not necessarily know about the process for themselves or for others, but might be interested sometime down the line um, to get involved with this population on a deeper level.
3: Our experience was that we went through a foster care agency. Um, We went through an agency that kind of allows you to have a wider reach um, across the counties and there's quite a bit of training a ton of paperwork Um, your training is not specifically medical or non-medical it's just basically um, trauma-informed care and that sort of thing Um, there's a home study Uh, there's a lot of different pieces to it Um, but for us it was pretty extensive it took a couple months to get certified And then, like I said, we have to get recertified since we moved. So they do a whole nother home inspection um, and another, you know, long list of paperwork.
2: Yeah. So, um, I mean, the the kinship process is, uh, like you said, very intrusive as well. Um, So first and foremost, they wanted to get background checks and fingerprints um, just to make sure that there was nothing too alarming on the records. Once that happened, um, it was different meetings with different people. So our uh, our kinship, the, the, the girl we're um, kinship guardian for, um, she has a guardian at litem and also the social worker that was involved. And we also have a kinship supporter who supports us. And uh, those are the three primary people we contact. But um, yeah, we're currently in the process of trying to get certified as kinship providers. Um, that is a... Um, a little over a month, there's 12 three-hour classes. Um, also, they have home visits. Um, we also have um, once a month uh, family team meetings. Um, we also had to do, you know, questionnaires, uh, fill out a lot of, you know, financial forms.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's an extremely long and extensive process for both sides of the story there. And um, so thank you all for sharing. Um, what that kind of looks like. That definitely provides greater insight for everybody. Um, Some of you, it sounds like, have had a little bit more experience with this than others, Um, but what experience have you had with working with the healthcare system with your children in out-of-home care? Um, Our newest little guy that I was talking about that's three months old,
1: he spent the first six weeks of life in the NICU for withdrawals. Um, So that's the first kiddo that I had had that really had come with, um, already some medical needs. And so he is transition, obviously when he transitioned to us, just because of all the exposures during pregnancy, he'll need a lot of therapy moving forward. And then, you know, like I, I think Allie will have a lot more dramatic stories of medical needs, but I will say a few of the kids that I got were quote unquote, perfectly healthy kids. Um, but I was a single parent and so they had to go in daycare when I would go to work. And I feel like in particular, these kids were set up to just be sick all the time, more than the average kid, because they hadn't been out in public a lot. Um, they didn't have good prenatal care. These were little, little ones, um, didn't have good prenatal care, um, and so when I dropped her off to daycare with a plethora of germs, I mean, we went to the ER so many times and she ended up on oxygen for RSV and it wasn't like any underlying horrible medical condition, but just, I felt like we were constantly at the doctor. And so there is just a ton of overlap between foster care and the medical system and having to navigate insurance and oh my gosh, who can sign consent for this? And, (laughs) oh, it's the weekend. Who am I supposed to call right now? I, she has a raging ear infection, like just regular everyday things that you would have with your otherwise healthy kid that with a foster kid just become a little bit more um, complicated.
3: Yeah. We um, we have had a lot of experience with therapies and hospitals and that sort of thing with our um, two boys our first little guy um, had a whole bunch of things stacked up against him, um, including his prematurity. And we did do early intervention with him, but he didn't qualify for any PTOT services at home, um, which was actually shocking to me. Um, and then our second little guy, he was extremely sick with a very intense cardiac abnormality. And so we spent a lot of time in the hospital. He was inpatient for a couple of months while we had him um, undergoing a few surgeries. And then at home, um, we had in-home PT and OT. And uh, that was a really good experience for us. And I think that he benefited a lot from that. Yeah, we do have a, a lot of experience in that realm.
2: Yeah so um you know I, I was genuinely um kind of caught off guard by how quick everything came you know we had a uh, our first visit uh, to meet the baby on a Saturday the first overnight on a Tuesday and then the following Thursday she was placed in our care full time and so the process was really quick and you know um i guess you know that that first day when when she came over for the first night was just loving and and holding and just happiness and as for that second day when she fully came in our care, and then um, the following Friday, so she had only been in our care really one day, um, I was able to see kind of some some inconsistencies with her development, you know, um, and again, you know, I wasn't told the extent of the injuries and everything like that, so uh, immediately, you know, I was able to notice some shortcomings she had in her development, and, um, you know, I kind of thought about it, and I tried doing what I could in the meantime, you know, um, but once we went to her primary care provider, I brought up these concerns and, you know, she diagnosed her with low muscle tone and that's why we were given a referral for physical at-home physical therapy. Had I been less vigilant and not been as nurturing as I am, those injuries could have really hindered her development um, a lot, so um, that's, that's, that's primarily where I am with, the, with my experiences. Um, children are hardly ever able to advocate for themselves. So it's on, you know, foster parents, uh, kinship providers to really advocate for them. And, you know, I, I do feel sometimes that, you know, when the, the louder I speak, the less they hear me and it, it is frustrating. But again, what we do is we put aside those differences and we always do what's best for the baby. Awesome,
0: thank you for sharing. I know that, that um, different experiences in healthcare can definitely be frustrating and challenging. Some of you kind of talked about this, but like, what are the barriers to care or challenges you face when it comes to working with therapists or different healthcare providers for your children? And then how can healthcare professionals better support you all as caregivers and also the children that you're serving and um, taking care of?
1: Um, So I was a foster parent for a while with Denver County. I'm now with Larimer County. Um, And I'll say one thing, just having moved from one county to another. One observation I made, I thought Denver did really well was um, they have one central doctor that provides all the health care for all the kids in foster care. I don't know if that also includes kinship care. I would imagine it does, but I'm not clear on that. But it was kind of amazing because if the kids were moved to five different homes, they kept the same doctor. Um, Here in Larimer County, You, if you're a foster kid and you're placed in five homes, each set of foster parents could have their preferred doctor. So you're moving to a different home and you probably have more medical challenges than the average child and need more help in that area. Um, And so it really is such a disservice to the kids. So I would say that's one barrier I faced. In in addition to that, it was so helpful to go to a clinic where they literally saw foster kids all day long and a very large percentage of their population was drug exposed infants. And I have had a few of those now. So <clears throat> every question I asked them, I felt like they had heard before and had answered many times and had seen hundreds, um, if not thousands of kids come through there, um, with similar Issues, So it felt so nice. Um, I would say now moving to Larimer County, it's been an issue in in the first place. Finding a doctor that is taking new Medicaid patients has been difficult. Um, And then finding one that has literally any knowledge of um, drug exposed infancy. um, Just, I mean, even my three and a half year old, she's not an infant anymore, but was exposed to a great deal of alcohol, um, in utero. And so, yeah, that just feels challenging. Sometimes I feel like in my limited knowledge and reading that I sometimes feel like I know a little bit more than them even, um, about long-term effects. Um, And then I I would say one other issue that I've noticed recently has been that um, bio parents, I, I think unless there's extreme circumstances are allowed to come to medical appointments. And so that has been an issue lately. Like the other day I tried to take my son to an appointment and dad was invited to come. And I called ahead just to say, Hey, just a heads up that I'm coming with my foster son and dad has also been given permission to come. And they were like, Oh, you can only have one parent visitor because of COVID. And I was like, I need to be in the room because I actually know what's happening with him. But dad is legally allowed to be at this appointment. And also he is the medical decision maker. So it was super complicated. And they ended up like making an exception in this case. But I would say with COVID that that is one issue. Um, and was also an issue when my son was in the NICU, um, they had a two visitor limitation. And so my husband and I wanted to be there and then also dad wanted to visit. So, yeah, I feel like COVID has presented um, some extra
0: hurdles. Yeah. It's almost like COVID has like amplified some of these challenges too, and made some extra, you know, um, as it has with other things as well, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah.
2: I share a lot of those same sentiments you know Um, I don't know uh, for for kinship you know I think Denver does have that one location I believe it's the east side health clinic so that's uh, where we've been taking the baby to all her appointments. Um, Again probably the biggest personal challenge I have had is to be patient with the treatment and you know to to just dedicate myself to following through with the treatment plans each and every day. I mean there was times where the baby wasn't developing as quickly as I would like. And also sometimes where she showed regression, but um, Emily did a great job of letting me know like, Hey, what we're doing is working and explaining a lot of those things. So that was a a big help. Um, I do also um, understand the challenges with that come along with the biological parents. Um, That is something that's been, you know, real tough for me personally, because, you know, um, we, we want what's best for the baby. And, you know, I think it's hard, especially when the biological parents are there, for me to speak upon um, freely and openly and honestly about what I feel is wrong or what's contributing to the issues the baby has. So, you know, uh, one request I did put in was if they were gonna be at the appointments, um, I would like there to be, you know, um, a little bit of time difference between the time they leave the room and where I can address my concerns with the doctor without them being there. Another big challenge is just feeling that I'm not just another number you know, a doctor could see, you know, 20, 30 patients a day. Um, so they don't have as much time to be personable. But I do feel when you're dealing with kids, especially in foster care and kinship care, um, out, of, out of home children, I think they got to, you know, prioritize that uh, in a slightly different way than than your typical child. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do feel very supported by my physical therapist. Um, you know, follow through is always great, asking questions, things like that. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, that the physical therapist is looking at things uh, black and white, you know, that really helps me because you know sometimes emotion gets involved and you think how could this have happened and you know you get very frustrated but a physical therapist will only look at it in, in the, the black and white of well yeah the right arm is hurt so this is what we need to do, and this is how we can repair and um, even Um, sitting in on the family team meeting and sharing some thoughts you know was was very very helpful uh, to me as a whole so I feel really supported by my physical therapist Emily and you know to be honest uh, there's probably one other person throughout this whole process that I feel has given me as good or even better support than that so um, kudos to you Emily.
0: Thank you Cedric um yeah, that is actually how I just said But thank you for bringing up some of those challenges that you had with, you know, the healthcare system as a whole as well. Um, I think that's so important to bring light to. Allie, do you have anything else that you would like to add on? Something
3: that was really has been really challenging is simply the scheduling aspect of all of these therapies. Um, most foster parents are balancing. Um, visits with biological parents, visits with caseworkers, GALs, CASA workers. Um, We have our, you know, regular hospital or, you know, doctor visits. Um, And so these extra therapies that is truly what the child needs a lot of the time, the the rest is just the details. Um, It's really hard to fit in. And something that I found is very helpful is when therapies kind of get together and do it all together. Um, And depending on the needs of the child with our second little guy, we had in-home PT, OT, and speech that would come together. And that was truly life-changing for us because it was, you know, we had to add one more thing onto our week that we had to get in the car and drive to. Um, A, it wasn't really a predictable schedule that we had week to week with his um, situation, but also just Trying to find some sort of balance that felt healthy and normal for the child as well is is sometimes tricky. So I found that very helpful. And then I would say, with both of our little boys, I felt so supported by the Children's Hospital that we that they are seen at. But I felt like there was this huge gap in that, that they knew that this child had medical needs, but not really having any any understanding of the severity of it. Um, and so it was kind of up to to my husband and I to really advocate for things that the child needed and reunifying. Um, one, one of our little guys reunified with his biological parents and in another one went to kinship placement. Um, but that transition, was just really hard because it wasn't seamless in that way. And while we felt very supported by the hospital and um, these extra therapies that we were working with, I felt like the biological parents really didn't have any support. And so that transition from our home to another, to the home, their forever home, um, was just really tricky. And I don't, luckily we we formed a relationship with both sets of families. Um, where we could help the parents in that transition period. But I don't know what would have happened. Like, I think a lot of those those services would have dropped off had we have not facilitated that um, transfer of care. So I thought a lot about this. How can we kind of bridge that gap? And I don't have a great answer, but I do think that the more that the whole care team kind of pitches in and um, maybe even puts in writing what the child needs, especially in transition um, would be really helpful because I think that that is a gap that you know the caseworker and the people working the case don't have that knowledge of. Um, and it does the child a big disservice. I mean in our second case, we were able to get the therapies to um, to keep the same providers, the same PT, the same OT working with the child. and that truly is so amazing. I think that those people, form relationships with your child um and that child doesn't always have those relationships those long-term relationships and so i think you know it sounds silly i think if you're a physical therapist you might not think that you make you know those connections really but for a child who doesn't have a lot of those connections that's huge and there's a huge element of trust in that as well Um, and you get to be kind of like the fun person as well who does these fun therapies and um, make it enjoyable for the child and something they look forward to. And so I think that the more longevity that you can have with the child in care, the better that it would be for that child and family.
0: Awesome, thanks, Ali. Yeah, I will say, and um, one of the surveys I sent out to pediatric physical therapists, a lot of the barriers and challenges that you have notif- noticed um, and talked about today are also challenges that a lot of the physical therapists have been, you know, noticing as well, especially during those times in transition and um, the carryover of our care in terms of either, you know, the family moving to a different town or a different county where you can't be the provider. And then how can you, you know, better communicate with the other providers or the biological parents so that they also know what's going on in sessions and everything as well um but i think that that's such a great point too that you know as therapists if we're able to it's such a great way for us to be that point of stability for that child another just point of like a root for them since they might be moving around more often so thank you so much Um, this next question is a little bit similar but um what advice or what would you like pts or others in the healthcare field to know about when working with your children and your family?
1: I was trying to think of like really tangible things. Um, when I ask questions like this, I always want really tangible takeaways. So um, some things that I thought about just cause I'm kind of living it currently, um, really efficient communication is helpful. So one thing I, th- I think is nice is when people say, Hey, what's the best form of communication for you? Like, do you like telephone? Do you like email? Do you like texting? sometimes texting and email are so much easier for me because to find a moment where there's not someone screaming in the background or pulling on me, um, can be difficult. And then the chances that that's also going to be the time that the person calls are pretty slim. (laughs) So, um, texting and email is like, I can respond at nine o'clock at night when, you know, when my kids are asleep, it, it just makes it a lot easier. And then I would say, if you do choose, um, phone that if you leave voicemails to try to leave as many details as possible, even if it's like, Hey, sounds like we need to see you in the next couple of weeks here are all the appointments that I have available. Um, if I miss you when you call me back, could you just let me know which of these days and times works for you? Like just really, um, eliminating so much need for phone tag and, um, time on the phone because it seems little, but when you're, um, spread thin, like Ali mentioned all the appointments, Um, it just can feel like a lot sometimes. Um, I would also say anything that's printed is helpful. Um, as far as like, for example, PT exercises, like in the moment you think I'll remember this and then you're like sleep deprived and (laughs) you are just, you know, there's just a lot going on and you think you're going to remember and you don't. So even if you, as the physical therapist or whatever therapist. think this person's really bright. I probably don't need to give them a handout. Just give them a handout because it's helpful. And also I would say, um, you know, my husband, I think he does better when he can see just kind of the objective, Hey, look on the fridge. I put this thing that has the exercises we're supposed to be doing with the baby more than me telling him like and it, it takes less effort for me to have to like regurgitate everything I just learned. And I think he hears it better when it comes from like an objective source sometimes, um, if he can't be there for the appointment himself,
0: which he usually can't. Some thanks Rebecca. Those are even some things that, even as you're talking, I was like, oh, I should, I should be implementing more of this. So thank you for some of those ideas.
2: Of course. I think uh, Rebecca hit a lot of nails on the head right there. <laughs> So uh, good job with that, Rebecca. Um, in all reality, too, yeah, I think, you know, sometimes an exercise here or there will slip my mind. So I think that's something where, you know, if I did have that literature, um, something handy, you know, maybe even like a milestone chart, that would also really help me to understand um, where they should be and how far off they are. And, you know, just just help me identify how much more work I can put into getting them where they need to be. Um, overall I feel that you know pts just need to know that their work is very much appreciated um, I appreciate the flexibility aspect that you guys have I mean coming to my home very very beneficial to us because you know we don't have to pack the baby up on a cold morning um, I would say you know th- this isn't me personally but just anytime I feel um, comfortable that really helps you know the lessons set in and you know the benefits to shine through so um, always make the uh, caregivers, you know, feel comfortable. I think that's uh, that goes a long way for them to be able to follow through with the treatment plans and also to keep a positive mindset through it all.
3: I think this is like a small thing, but one um, memory I have that will probably stick with me for the rest of my life is just um, one of our physical therapists that we worked with extensively with our um, really sick little guy. He was probably one of the most gentle lovely people I've ever met in my life. And even after, um, he went back to, um, a kinship placement, he followed up and was like, I've just been thinking about him so much. Um, you know, do you know how he's doing? Like, is there any way I can support you in this? And I think sometimes when you're a foster parent, it can feel very lonely and it can feel like even, I feel like you feel the loneliness on behalf of your child And oftentimes that child doesn't have a lot of people who love them. And, um, I think that physical therapist made a huge difference to me because his care was more than just, let's get this little guy, you know, doing all of the things that he should be doing. He just like genuinely cared for him. And, um, yeah, I thought that was just really unique and really important that support, not only for me, but for the child. And that was really felt in our sessions together. Um, and then the other Other piece, you know, as far as like supporting, you know, kids in foster care and families who are foster um, parents, I think understanding the piece of this is going to be really hard logistically to schedule, um, but it's also, but also knowing that it's really important and just being flexible with us is something that I think is just really
0: needed with this population. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. I think you guys touched on so many Important points, you know, building that good patient family rapport and that really like good connection and empathetic bond with the child and the family. And then, you know, making sure that you have those handouts and being aware of everyone's time because the providers, you know, are so busy, like you all mentioned earlier, with all those appointments and everything. So, thank you so much for those tips. Um, More on a little bit of a personal note from you all what are some challenges? And um, what are some of the most rewarding parts about being caregivers for children out of home care?
3: Um, I think it, that, that's a heavy question because there's so many ups and downs, right? But I think the most rewarding piece and the piece that keeps us um, you know, wanting to continue to help in this way is just watching kids who had all the odds stacked up against them overcome obstacles Come back to life, you know, you see the joy in their life, in their eyes, and like their connection with you, and um, forming these really important bonds um, that, whether or not they stay with you, carry them through the rest of their lives um, that they wouldn't otherwise have. And I think that that for sure is the most rewarding piece um, that makes the rest of it. I, I think when you're in the thick of it, you're like, I'm never doing this again. And then when you take a step back and that child's no longer in your home and you miss them like crazy, (laughs) I think you just, you forget the rest, you forget the details and you just remember how you watched a child just overcome everything um, that, you know, for all intensive purposes, they probably shouldn't have, but I think, you know, that's just something for me that through every situation keeps me coming back keeps me wanting to keep putting my heart out there for these kids
2: so you know i really want to you know just highlight the rewards of it all just knowing i contributed to you know the 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 baby improving getting to where they need to be strong physically mentally um it it, it really makes me happy and it, it just it just fills my heart with so much fulfillment um i mean you know just just for her to know what a loving home is and that she is loved and that she is cared for in the way that every child needs to be. You know, I think that gives me a a great deal of satisfaction. You know, one thing that makes me really happy is, you know, I, I always do a clear job of communicating any issues, any barriers, any challenges. And I wear a lot of emotion on my face. And so when I talk about a lot of the challenges I've had to overcome and a lot of challenges the baby has had to overcome, you know, I I always get the comment of you know you you guys have such a great bond, you know and you know I I know she she really cares about me and I know I really care about her and you know I I love her and everything and you know it's just it's just great that I've been able to you know put her on the on the positive path to success in her future and you know I've I've never minimized anything that could be wrong I've actually taken the opposite approach of really just Trying to bring any issue to light, just just so that there are no repercussions down the line, no no detrimental health effects down the line. So, you know, the the big reward is just seeing her happy, seeing her smile, seeing her grow, hitting her milestones each and every day. It seems just growing, getting bigger by the day, and just that smile and that laugh that she brings to me each and every day.
1: Um, I would agree. Just seeing your kid excel when. Yeah. When all the odds are stacked against them is incredible. Um, but a a surprising thing that's been really, um, rewarding to me is the relationship with the bio parents, which I think a lot of people would say is maybe the hardest part. Um, and it can be, and I, I think I have actually been really blessed, um, in the interactions that I've had with bio parents, but, um, I just feel like you enter that relationship and it feels like, I don't know, kind of like the odds are stacked against you, right? Like it's this awkward situation where you're interacting with someone and you're taking care of their child and they're wondering what your motives are. And they're wondering what kind of person you are. Are you just trying to take our kid from us? Um, and to extend kindness to someone who probably doesn't expect it from you. Um, I have found is super rewarding, really hard. Um, and like I said, I've been blessed with really kind bio parents who I feel like have been pretty easy to extend, um, that kind of friendly friendliness to. but that has been incredibly rewarding to me. Um, just to kind of like almost see their face change when you approach them with kindness and you tell them about their kid in a way that is like. I love your kid and oh, he looks like you. And, um, I mean, even saying, even like addressing the elephant in the room and saying, Hey, I want you to know, like, we're not praying for you to fail. Like we would love to see you succeed and get your son back. And like, I don't know, that has almost been more rewarding to me, not more, but equally. Um, and even in the case of my adopted daughter, I mean, obviously her mom didn't, you know, succeed in getting her back, but I feel like we still have a really beautiful relationship and I get to kind of shape what that looks like for my daughter. So like I get to shape that story for her when she asks about her bio mom, um, that feels powerful and kind of redemptive.
3: I would agree, Rebecca. And I think, um, something that came to mind while you were talking was in caring for these kiddos and working with, um, you know, lots of different providers, Um, I think it matters the way that, um, you know, those providers talk about your kiddos' parents. Um, A lot of times they can be seen as the enemy. And I just want to reiterate that that is not the case. Um, You know, nobody wants their kids to be taken from them. A lot of times these are parents who um, we're in the foster system themselves who were these same babies, you know, in the past. And I've had providers say to me before, gosh, I just hope you get to keep them. And while that sentiment, I know where that comes from and that comes from a good place. I think that it can be really hard um, to digest because you don't know the situation. Um, and, uh, you know, we in, in most cases love our kids' parents and want them to be reunified with their child. Sometimes that can't happen, but I think when it can, those comments can come off as, if nothing else, just very awkward to respond to. And we are in, you know, we're in this role to support biological parents. And we don't want that to be like a, you know, a dividing factor between us and providers caring for our child. We want the goal to be the same to get this child better, to get the family
0: better. Yeah. Thank you all for sharing that part too. I think that's so important because, you know, at the end of the day, the biological parents are part of this puzzle that we're all putting together for the, su- the success of the children as well. And I think you know both of you guys touched on so many aspects of the bio parents and like you know sometimes they can be seen as the enemy or as really awkward and everything. But at the end of the day, like you get, you mentioned, like the end goal for these children out of home care is either reunification or if that is not possible, finding them a safe forever home. Um, and I think that's just so important that we touched on that so that, you know, healthcare providers don't get stuck in that middle ground of thinking of them as like the quote unquote enemy or whatever, because everyone's trying to hope for this success and the good health of these children. So thank you for touching on that. I think that's something that so many times can be overlooked. Thank you all for joining us tonight um, and for sharing your stories. Before we close up, I just wanted to ask, was there anything else you would like to share or want healthcare providers to know or any last words of advice or encouragement for healthcare providers or anyone who wants to become caregivers for children in out-of-home care?
1: Um, I would just say, going back to kind of what we just talked about, um, to just keep in mind that if you want to be a foster parent or kinship. Um, your, one of your main roles is to be a team player in the reunification, hopefully of the child with their bio family. And so if you really are just going into it because you would like to adopt, then you should just adopt (laughs) because foster care is heartbreaking. Even if you go into it, wanting the family to the bio family to succeed. And if you go into it with a hundred percent, like I really just want to adopt a kid and keep them forever you're just going to not be able to be all there. Um, and that really is a disservice to, um, the child in the long run. Um, and just so heartbreaking for you if that's the only ends that you see as a success. Um, but if you, if you can really open your mind to success being, um, also a restoration of a family and success of not just this child, whose odds were stacked against them, but also their parent. Um, if you can kind of open your mind to that also being a victory, then you are um, primed to be a good foster parent. But I think just kind of like checking your motives at the door is really helpful um, and, and vital, I think, before you even start the process.
2: You know, as, as far as kinship, you know, I, I just want to say, you know, it, it is, it is very tough. It is very tough because uh, being a kinship provider, um, it's somewhere where you have a relationship with the biological parents and be able to separate your feelings and do what's best for the baby is, is very, very difficult, much more difficult than I had ever imagined. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as kinship providing, um, just research, understand the full commitment you're getting yourself into. Um, you know, again, you know, it's always great to help people out. But, you know, you, you, you got to really do a great job of asking questions um, so that you're in the loop and, you know, exactly what's going on. Um, another big thing I would say, um, whether you're doing foster care, um, it's is probably you have to be certified for foster care. But with kinship, they could place them in the home and you could get certified after. Where if you, um, I think it would be a great idea to get certified as a kinship guardian before even undertaking it. And I think that's strictly due to the fact that they, they give you a lot of information in class and it, it's able to make, you're able to make that distinction just off a few classes of, is this for me or is it not for me? So, um, yeah, I would just say just research, understand the commitment. Um, like you said, be a team player. And, and that's very difficult, you know, coming from a kinship standpoint, um, because once the baby was in my care, it went from supporting the family to supporting the baby. And you know, I I I really blurred that line. And you know, the, the relationship with the biological parents is not what it was prior to the kinship guardianship. So again, just understanding what you're getting into, researching, asking questions and following through would be my main main advice for anybody to undergo the kinship guardian process.
3: I think, um, whatever role you end up being in a foster child's life, um, just understanding that that is such an important role that it's not one that should be taken lightly. Even if you're just seeing the child once a week, that is an important bond that's being formed. Um, so yeah, just understanding that you do make a difference in that child's life and it's more than, you know, maybe what meets
0: the eye awesome thank you all for sharing and sharing your stories again and your time um, i really appreciate your participation and for those listeners look out for part two of this little mini podcast series um, i hope that you all learned a lot and enjoyed hearing the kind of more emotional and personal side to children out of home care as well have a great night everyone